Colonel Miles here, welcoming you to Pandora. If you think you've seen some difficult combat before, you haven't seen anything. Every living thing here on this planet is waiting to eat you alive and spit out your eyes like they were juju bees gone bad. If you get soft here, you will get shit out dead. So don't get soft. Unlike those irreverent nerds, those boys are the softest men I ever seen. But for some reason, people like listening to what they have to say. So, I guess it's time to listen to the irreverent nerds talk about James Cameron's film Avatar. Wait a minute, this just got meta. Oh boy. I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're the, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds. Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Nerds, we are here in the man cave of Mr. William Thomas Boyer. I'm Batman. The Bat Cave. Yes, I'm sorry. A madman. Not, not a man cave. <laughs> a bat cave. You should call it the Might Cave. The Might Cave. I like the Might Cave. That's that's perfect actually. You should totally put that on your door now. <laughs> yeah, I've improved your house for you, Will. You're welcome. <laughs> so yes, we are we are here in the the man cave of the illustrious comic book artist William Boyer. And over to my right is he corrected me, I said what did I say? Drawing table, and you said, no, it's drafting table. Right. Where he, well, right now, there is actually a, a commission sitting there, and it looks awesome. They always look bigger in real life to me. Like, when you send me pictures, like, I always yeah. imagine it being smaller than it is, and then when I see it in real life, you know, it's like, oh, that's right, it is really big. So, if this is your commission, come get it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's been sitting on my drafting table. For a few months. <laughs> it's like a Star Wars band? Is that what the top one is? It's, uh, shoot. I see Chewbacca. Anyway. <laughs> well, well, that commission's done. I, I just couldn't get the original art to the uh, client. They didn't want it for some reason. So so if if you are that client and you know who you are, it's a, it's a rock band with Chewbacca as the drummer. So You've already paid for it. It's yours. Yeah, get in touch with Mr. Boyer here and uh, let him know. Or, sorry, Boyer. No. Um, let him know that you want your art. Or let him know that you don't, and then he can just do what he wants to with it. Right now, it's just sitting on his drafting table. Anyway, we're not here to talk about all of that. We're here to talk I'm about Avatar. Avatar. I love Avatar. Oh, Aang and Sokka, and that, what was that sister's name? And yeah, there was this movie too, but I didn't like it so much. By Shyamalan. Oh, Shyamalama Mama. No, we're not here to talk about that avatar. We're not here to talk about Shyamalama Mama's <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> no, that was hands down Avatar The Last Airbender, of course, Will is referencing. We have talked about that before here. One of these days we need to do a a burn review of it or a hate watch review of it 
Oh, the movie. I was like, the movie. Yes. How dare you? That was a oh, great no, cartoon. Not... Oh no! Like we we could do we could do a review of this series as well because you hate watch the cartoon. I... Oh, who no, are no, no, you? No. <laughs> I have seen the, the Nickelodeon um, cartoon and it and it is quite good. Um, Sorry. Turn your notifications off, Will. <laughs> Sorry for that rude interruption from William's phone. On a well, side note, Bunny Bear is now streaming on Twitch. Oh, yeah. I don't know who that is. Oh, that's Tommy's wife. Oh. <laughs> that's what the notification well, was. Well, our listeners don't know who Tommy is, so it's okay. Tommy is a friend of Will's. I, I think you may have talked about him at some point in the last 43 episodes or 44, whatever. Oh, yeah. How many episodes have we done, Will? Do you remember? 40 billion. We've, we've done a lot. We've done a lot. Uh, according to Spotify in the year 2022, this is as of a week or two ago, we had recorded... Between the two of us, and and then then of course our assorted guests, over nineteen hundred minutes of of quality entertainment. Cool, <laughs> which is supposedly better than ninety eight percent of other podcasters podcasting in our category. Really, what's our category? Uh, that's a good question. I have to go. And look. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go and look what I set it up as uh, on Anchor. Uh, yeah, like we know what we do. But it's not always easy to categorize it when you have preset categories and you have to pick one. Like on Instagram, you have to pick one, and it's like there isn't one that fits just right. There's like film review, there's TV show review, and you can talk about comics, manga, anime. I think there's one, you know, but it's like you can't, we, we do like a, all of those things. So it's like there's not a category for that. It's like pop culture, but they don't have a pop culture category, which is strange. They should have a nerd culture. Cool, 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 cool. Anyway, so uh, Avatar. Okay, okay. So James Cameron's Avatar, to be more precise. Uh, so Avatar, also marketed apparently marketed as James Cameron's Avatar, probably in order to not confuse it with the other. <laughs> some some smart marketer realized, oh crap, there's a Nickelodeon TV show already called this. We should probably. Um, anyway, this one, the one we're talking about this week, is a 2009 epic science fiction film directed, written, co-produced, and co-edited by James Cameron and starring Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Stephen Lang, Michelle Rodriguez, and Sigourney Weaver. It is set in the mid-22nd century when humans are colonizing Pandora, a lush, habitable moon of a gas giant in the Alpha Centauri star system, in order to mine the valuable mineral unobtainium. By the way, dumbest name ever. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading some trivia about that. Well, apparently, it's really used by people in NASA to describe something that would be perfect but doesn't exist. Ha! Huh. That's funny. Well, or is otherwise unobtainable. Sorry, NASA. It's still stupid. <laughs> 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 the expansion of the mining colony. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, this is, this is just a synopsis. This expansion of the mining colony threatens the continued existence of a local tribe of Na'vi, a humanoid species indigenous to Pandora. The title of the film refers to a genetically engineered Na'vi body operated from the brain of a remotely located human that is used to interact with the natives of Pandora. I want to point out in my second watching this film that I don't understand the Wi-Fi Bluetooth shenanigans that's happening of transferring the consciousness across miles. <laughs> it's neurotransmission, my friend. That That's actually one of, I think, one of the 
I don't know if themes is the right way to put it, but uh, one of the through lines in the plot. One of the coolest things I think about the movie, honestly, is this, the idea that um, the entire tree system, like all over the planet, is interconnected and communicates electrochemically with each other. Like all the trees are communicating they're through the root systems electrochemically with one another. And that there's so many trees on Pandora that these connections amount to more complexity than exists in the human brain. You know, that's that's pretty awesome. So in, in essence, Pandora is sentient, which you know the natives call her Ewa. And uh, it, it's pretty cool. Like even though it's mythological in in one sense, they've grounded in science. Yeah. In the sense of like, this is like a living organism. And, of course, the Na'vi have the ability to connect to it, upload and download memories. It's pretty awesome. Pretty, I love the way they, they handled that. Yeah, it is. Um, I really did like that, too. That, that's not what I'm talking about, though. Um, I just mean, like, when they get in, the humans get into the pods to connect to their bodies, which might be laying out in a field somewhere or something, there's... It's like through the air. There's not actually a cable network or a root network. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, so what, you how, are they say, tra- how are they transmitting? Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. Maybe it's more psychic. I don't know. It's a little tiny wormhole in, <laughs> in space. <laughs> that is a good question, and they never explain that. And I don't know that you really need to for the purposes of the film, but no. yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of that. I, I mean, I think, I, I'm sure it had occurred to me, but I hadn't really thought too deeply but that is a good question so you distance neurotransmission through the air yeah I mean if you can translate 4k television signal through the air I mean obviously that's a lot less complex but (laughs) maybe they do it through satellites because the movie mentions there are satellites orbiting the planet could be could be because you got a good point bringing up TV yeah, I imagine I, I'm. It wouldn't surprise me if James Cameron thought through that detail uh, on some level. It might even have an answer for it. Um, but yeah, I don't don't think it's discussed in the film um, precisely. But anyway, before we get too deep into the weeds, you know, talking about the minutiae weeds, of weeds. this film, can you start us off uh, reading about the plot of Avatar, James Cameron's Avatar? Shyamalama Mamas. Uh, by the way, we, I love M. Night Shyamalan, by the way, just so everyone knows. And I am thoroughly excited about season three of Servant coming on Apple TV Plus in January. Cool. So if you like his better stuff, like his Sixth Sense or Signs or all that, check it out. It's really good. Really good series. Anyway, kick us off, Mr. Boyer. The plot, according to Wikipedia, is... Thus, in 2154, the natural resources of the Earth have been depleted. The Resources Development Administration, RDA, mines the valuable mineral mineral unobtainium on Pandora, a moon in the Alpha Centauri star system. Pandora, whose atmosphere is mostly gaseous, is inhabited by the Navi, a 10-foot-tall, 3.0-meter, blue-skinned, sapient, humanoids that live in harmony with nature 
to explore Pandora, genetically matched human scientists use Navi human hybrids called avatars. Paraplegic marine Jake Sully is sent to Pandora to replace his deceased identical twin who had signed up to be an operator. Avatar program head Dr. Grace Augustine considers Sully inadequate but accepts him as a bodyguard. While escorting the avatars of Grace and Dr. Norm Smellman, Jake's avatar is attacked by Pandoran wildlife and he flees into the forest where he is rescued by female Navi Natiri. Witnessing an auspicious sign, she takes him to her clan. Natiri's mother, Moat, the spiritual leader of the clan, orders her daughter to initiate Jake into their society. Colonel Miles Korich, head of RDA security force, promises Jake the company will restore his legs if he provides information about the Navi and their gathering place, the giant home tree, under which is a rich deposit, deposit of unobtainium. Learning of this, Grace transfers herself, Jake, and Norm to an outpost. Jake and Natiri fall in love as Jake is initiated into the tribe. He and Natiri choose each other as mates. When Jake attempts to disable a bulldozer which is threatening a sacred Navi site, Administrator Parker Selfridge orders Home Tree destroyed. Despite Grace's argument that destroying Home Tree could damage Pandora's biological neural network, Selfridge gives Jake and Grace one hour to convince the Navi to evacuate. Jake confesses that he was a spy, and the Navi take him and Grace captive. Quaritch's men destroy Home Tree, killing many, including Natiri's father, the clan chief. Moat frees Jake and Grace, but they are detached from their avatars and imprisoned by Quaritch's forces. Pilot Trudy Chacon, disgusted by Quaritch's brutality, airlifts Jake, Grace, and Norm to Grace's outpost. Grace is shot during the escape. Jake regains the Navi's trust by connecting his mind to that of a Toruk, a dragon-like creature feared and revered by the Navi. At the Sacred Tree of Souls, Jake pleads with Moat to heal Grace. The clan attempts to transfer Grace into her avatar with the aid of the Tree of Souls, but she dies. Supported by new chief Tsukte, Jake unites the clan, telling them to gather all the clans to battle the RDA. Koraich organizes a strike against the Tree of Souls to demoralize the Navi. Jake prays to Navi Ewa, deity Ewa, by a neural connection with the Tree of Souls. Sute and Shruti are among the battle's heavy casualties. The Navi are rescued when Pandoran wildlife unexpectedly join the attack and overwhelm the humans, which Neytiri interprets as Ewa answering Jake's prayer. Koraich, wearing an AMP suit, escapes his crashed aircraft and breaks open the Avatar link unit containing Jake's human body, exposing it to Pandora's poisonous atmosphere. As Quaritch prepares to slit Jake's Avatar's throat, he is killed by Nitiri, who saves Jake from suffocation. Seeing his human form for the first time, with the exceptions of Jake, Norm, and a select few others, all humans are expelled from Pandora. Jake is permanently transferred into his Avatar with the aid of the Tree of Souls. So, in reading that, I was like, like, who the heck is Quaritch? 
and and it's it's Colonel Miles Quaritch, you know the the main bad guy. Yeah, I don't think they ever say his name in the movie. I can't think of I can't think of it. It's like he's always just called Colonel, the Colonel. Like, can you can you think of a time like because I'd never heard that before. I was like, wait, who is that? Like, I, I don't I, know. Um, I can't. I can't think of a time they said his name in the in the film. If the if they did, it was maybe only once in the beginning or something. But I definitely don't remember the last name Corich. What do you think of uh, What do you think of Stephen Lang, the, his performance as the main bad guy, as well as like how he, his character was written and like? I think he did a good <clears throat> job. Uh, the role he was in, it was very believable. I think he, uh, definitely embodied that character. Uh, what do you think? I think it was a, it's an enjoyable performance. Like, it's, it's very, it's ha- hammy on, on one level. You know, or very stereotypical, <laughs> but. It is very super typical. But then, that is one of the, one of the things I didn't like about this, this film is, uh, the way James Cameron wrote the the bad guys, you know, there, there's yeah. little to no complexity in uh, uh, the the main baddies anyway, particularly the corporate head played uh, played by oh, what's what's his face. Yeah, now we uh, originally saw this film together when it first released in theaters. <clears throat> I have to admit that's one of my original complaints way back then is that the villains were too stereotypical. Yeah, particularly uh, Giovanni Ribisi's character. Parker Selfridge, the corporate administrator. Right. Like he, he's particular. He's just he's stupid. He's just straight up stupid. He's basically, he's, he's basically that guy from Aliens. Oh yeah, except not as smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, the the writing that has more to do with the writing because yeah. Giovanni Ribisi is a good actor. I've I've seen him do an excellent job in other films. So it had more to do with the way his character was written. Now that we've watched several James Cameron films, I gotta say that I see a pattern happening. Where the villains are always corporations or the government. Yeah, it's like it's like James Cameron is, is not so secretly anti establishment. <laughs> it, it, it's and not he so does it, interestingly, he does often have conflict with the studio heads and stuff. I mean, obviously he still works with them, yeah, you know, because he can get his big movies made otherwise, but. But yeah, maybe that there does seem to be some some through lines through a number of his films um, related to that, particularly like you said, Aliens and then Avatar and and um, like they make they make some really good points that just they don't didn't do a great job necessarily of of making the the points like ah, it's hard to say. Um, so yeah, that is something I wanted to talk about. Like what. Did you feel like the film got preachy at all about, like, no. say, um, I don't know what the right word would be, like, um, like, I, I love the way it, it, it addresses a connection to nature and respect, respect for living things, and even though there's a necessity of defending oneself or of killing for food, there is also a sense of gratitude to the um, being that has to die, like you recognize, like this being had to give its life in order for me to continue living, like just that recognition. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know if you 
felt similarly or if other people might have felt that it was too heavy-handed at times like i i liked those aspects like not so much on how they portrayed the corporate interests right um like big picture i think some of the issues obviously with corporate exploitation of natural resources you know they nailed that but in terms of just the complexity of normal human beings who live in that system and make it happen that I don't think they captured quite as bit, but then maybe they weren't really trying to. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, the villains were quite one-sided. Uh, I mean, we did have that one female pilot that decided to switch sides, but, um, otherwise the, the villains were just, just one dimensional, but uh, as far as whether or not it got preachy, I don't think so because, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think at any point in the film, uh, I don't think the message became out of place. I think it always flowed with the dialogue and the uh, context of each of the scenes. Um, I don't think they ever stopped to force a message in there where it didn't belong. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it did It did flow really well with the plot. And the film moves well, even though it's like over two and a half hours long. I, I felt like it, it was paced well. You know, I, I feel like there's enough action, enough movement from scene to scene. You know, I felt like it was paced pretty well. I don't know, did you feel similar? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, obviously, you know, this film has amazing special effects but did at watching it i mean it's been what 13 years later now do you do you see anything that doesn't hold up now at all like in your rewatch this time yeah um the um i mean the special effects cgi is great but uh during this watch i did notice that some of the animals most specifically the uh the hyena, hyena wolves, whatever we want to call them, uh, they they used hyena uh, noises for those animals, but I think they they more resemble coyote coyotes or small wolves, but um, in the way they act. But uh, I've noticed that in the scene when they first attack Jake. Uh, they look a little fake to me. Maybe that's just me though, but they looked, they just looked, they didn't look realistic. Uh, they looked, in, in my mind when I was Hey nerds, Richard here, asking you to consider supporting this podcast. If you go to our website, anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd, right there on the top of the page is a support button. Click on that and then you can select the level at which you would like to support us. You can do 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or even $9.99 a month. And as I've said before, if you agree to do $9.99 a month, Will will come to your house and give you a hug and a kiss. No, not but you will definitely receive our gratitude. So take a minute today to go on there and let us know that you love us because, you know, we're desperate for that. So just let us know. <laughs> Thanks, nerds.
Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Watching the scene uh, this time around, it just popped in there. They looked a little too... I'm not sure how to describe it, but they looked more like something out of a GameCube game from the early 2000s. More so, you know, from a cinematic cutscene from some older game than... It, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's just what popped in there, but it, so like was that, it rubbery? I don't know. It maybe just like that particular scene, the CGI was not as good as other scenes. Yeah. Which that's typical for almost any movie that has, you know, th- hundreds or thousands of CGI shots. There's going to be some that just don't turn out as well. Um, yeah, like I'm trying to remember... I do think, like, in comparing it to, say, some more recent, like, the thing that, in terms of the creature animation and stuff, like, um, I think the character that that maybe comes closest in my mind in recent years to advancing um, CGI character animation, you know, maybe just a touch beyond some of what they did with Avatar would be uh, Thanos on Endgame oh, and right. Infinity War. Like, I think what Marvel did, and I'm not sure if ILM was involved. It wouldn't surprise me at all if ILM and Weta, which ILM was not involved with the, um, no surprise, like Weta uh, Workshop did the motion capture CGI, which they pioneered, you know, the advancements in that with uh, the character Gollum, obviously, in the first three Lord of the Rings films. Right. So then Cameron hired them or Fox did, you know, or both, you know, hired them to, to do, I believe, the actual mo-mocap yeah. scenes for the... And they, they did an amazing job. Obviously, they it pushed that even further with Avatar. It wouldn't surprise me if they were involved with Thanos as well, but they... Um, that was motion capture with Josh Berlin being on set, I think, for all of his scenes in the mocap suit. And then I thought they did an excellent job with, with his character. Um... So yeah, I think that might be the the only film that, that comes close to like advancing. So I'm I'm curious to see the I can't tell from the trailers at this point, but I'm curious to see the the difference or like if you can be able to see the advancement, you know, in technology with the new film that's coming up. So I'm curious to yeah. to compare. Me too. Obviously, this one is not at least. On Disney Plus, not in 4K, and I looked. Like you couldn't buy or rent it in 4K either. Could be they're holding back on that, and they're going to release them together. Uh, okay. Maybe make a buttload of money in a double pack or something. <laughs> but right now, it's still just available in regular uh, 2160, I guess. Yeah, I'm looking forward to how the uh, CGI has improved. Not that it was bad in the first one; it wasn't. It was still really good. I just thought that one dog animal look a little rubbery or shiny or something but anyway yeah i'm really looking forward to just seeing how much it's improved i bet it's gonna look beautiful you mentioned josh brolin earlier mm-hmm. were we still talking about avatar or were we talking about in-game at that point i was comparing like the mocap performance and he's the one that does thanos so right but um, first i i haven't stopped to look at the actors names so i wasn't certain I was like, wait, was Josh Brolin in Avatar and I missed it, you know? No, no, okay. no. Yeah, he was not, no. Um, 
Yeah, Brolin. Brolin's a good actor. He's very solid. Um, he's a has a wide range of of uh, films that he has tackled over the years. He even played George W. Bush <laughs> in a film. What? Yeah, uh, it's called. It's just called W. Um, it was a um, Oliver Stone film. Uh, I finally caught up with it not too long ago, and his performance is really good. Like, he doesn't um, even. Does he even look like W. Bush? I mean, they did enough with the makeup to make him look oh, a little okay. bit, but it, it was more his mannerisms, and he captured oh. like the mannerisms and the voice, and, and yeah, but it was a good job. He did a solid job. Okay, but, but yeah, okay. not as much as like. Um, well, I was surprised. Like some of the Saturday Night Live impersonations of W. Like they they got some people that look, look really look like him. Uh, it's funny what they could do with that. So let's see. Uh, so this time around, this this rewatch. Uh, we got to come up with our own rating system, by the way. Like, what was it? How about this? Out of out of five nerd hats, <laughs> I like it. Get, I like what would it. Would you give Avatar, or should we do ten nerd hats? Should we do best out of ten, or should we do five? I can go grab some nerd hats out of my closet right now and stack them. <laughs> we'll we'll do five for now. So on a scale of one to five or zero to five nerd hats, how many nerd hats would you give Avatar this time around? It still holds up. I'm going to give it five. Five? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, well, maybe four for the stereotypical villains. Yeah. Yeah, I have to admit, I mean, they could have been written better. But otherwise, this was a very good film. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. I was thinking four. Yeah. So four nerd hats. And again, that that is like the, the character design and writing for the villains is probably the, the biggest weakness of the film. Yeah. And that, that does knock it down a notch. If I was rating only the in theater experience, five stars total, like the best, one of the best in theater experiences of it, just in terms of the total immersive experience. So I'm expecting some or hoping for something similar. It's not going to be as groundbreaking, obviously, because we've already seen the first one. But I'm I'm excited about how they might take it further, and obviously the underwater aspects is going to. I'm excited about that for this new one. But yeah, I would uh, as a film, like rating it as a film, I would also give it uh, four, four nerd hats out of five. Now, out of those four nerd hats, can you describe each hat? What are they? <laughs> Do you have like any Jones fedora oh, like a, and a? Oh yes. Well, I was thinking just you know because you and I frequently <laughs> wear ball, ball caps. Um, but you could you could throw a fedora. You know, there's like a Mario hat and. Uh... It's a me. <laughs> this is my nerd hat. What 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 do you think? Do, do do you think that uh? I think something akin to a, a Mario cap okay. ball cap, you know, like kind of that shape. Uh, I feel like that something like that. Like we should we should actually design it and then uh, do like a an Instagram post where we rate the films like four nerds, <laughs> you know. Boyer and Best say uh, four nerd hats out of five. <laughs> And so, boy, your best say three thumbs up. <laughs> Sorry, my little special effects. No uh, special effects. My sound effects. No one can actually see that. I forgot we're not on camera. I just raised three thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, Will. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. You just raised the same one twice. Yeah, I'm not gonna go there. Um, <laughs> all right, so four nerds hats out of five. All right, so we talked about uh, 
what we really didn't like, like the part that we disliked the most about the film, what part of the film did you like the most? Let's end on a positive note here. Like what, either, I mean, you could pick a scene, you could pick a musical score, you could pick, you know, a certain character, a moment in the film, you know. So what was your favorite part about Avatar on this rewatch? Well, prom- I think that I really like the floating mountains and uh, the bird riding. Mm-hmm. I think I really like that part. The tree was really beautiful, though. Uh, the glowing trees. Um, and I, I absolutely loved how they were able to capture uh, the likeness of Sigourney Weaver into her CGI counterpart, uh, the Avatar body. That is pretty impressive, yeah. The way they did it with all, with all the actors. Yeah, all of them. The avatars, including Norm Spillman. I mean, that's not the actor's name, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but for Sigourney Weaver, you know, it, I'm just really familiar with her face. Yeah. Due yeah. to Ghostbusters, and we just watched Aliens not too long ago, and so I could really tell. But you're right. I mean, all, all of them, they really captured lightning, so all the actors. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked that, that they chose that. And uh, I was trying to think of, what was the first thing she says? When her avatar is introduced, like, catch numbnuts or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and she, like, throws him a fruit, throws Sully a fruit. Then he eats it without questioning whether or not he could actually, it was actually edible. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, Jake Sully. <laughs> oh, all right, so what What did and I... Isn't Zoe Zaldana, isn't that the actress that plays Gamora on... Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, Gamora on the Guardians of the Galaxy and, and the other Marvel Marvel movies. Uh, by the way, the, the third Guardians movie is coming up soon, and she'll be in that. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, she's also Uhura on the newer J.J. Abrams Star Trek uh, trilogy. Oh, cool, cool. Possible quadrilogy. Fourth still in the works. Uh, possible. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. Um, but yeah, yeah, she's, she's great. I, I like Zoe. Um, she's got so much energy. I love what she brings to her. She's so intense as as uh, Neytiri. Oh like yeah. That. And um, and uh, and Sam Worthington. He he he's kind of got that 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 cool like. I don't know what it is about Australians playing cool Americans. You know, it's like whether it's Sam Worthington, you know, or uh, uh, oh crap. Well, obviously. Thor, well, he's not really playing an American, I guess. He's playing an alien, but... <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, Whoa. but he does play Americans. Or he uses an American... Well, sort of an American. Anyway, I'm getting off topic here. What, <laughs> what did I like the best about Avatar this rewatch? I, I think it really is the... The, um, the sense... The connection, connection to nature, you know, and... Like, honestly, watching it, it made me want to go out... Get out in, like, my nature... You know, because obviously they're they're creating it's something amazing, but in, in creating kind of an, an artificial world that's just reminiscent of some of the most amazing aspects of our world, um, that made me want to go out and, and explore our own planet more. And um, yeah, so it's it's I think that's probably my my favorite part is uh, just that that connection. 
and um, yeah, and the, just the lifestyle of of the Navi and and, and the the way that they are connected to one another and connected to the rest of their planet. I think that's just, like, that's just really cool. Like, uh, so yeah, I think that was once again, I think my favorite part on this rewatch. And uh, but yeah, in terms of just individual scenes, I agree. the The first flight scene is is pretty pretty damn awesome. Like, it really is exhilarating. It wasn't IMAX 3D for sure. It was great. All right. Any final thoughts? My wife's first reaction when we watched the film was, "Are those people naked?" <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close. And believe it or not, I don't think so, I have any serious last thoughts. <laughs> so all the times, all the times, believe it, all the times I watched it before, because I play with you the whole time, because like you, it's like things are moving around, and it's like, but you never somehow never see a nipple <laughs> and you never see anything else you I don't know, think you never, they have it never see a nipple well maybe not I don't know uh, you don't even know whether they have penises or vaginas because you, you never quite get a clip I you think know, they, they just use their hair like the loincloth is always it's yeah that's <laughs> the, the weird connection thing does that mean they're having uh, okay we're not gonna go there <laughs> but no but, whatever but this time but this time around uh, I saw one, like I was watching it, you know, in HD on a big TV. I was like, oh, there, one. <laughs> uh, there's only one scene. It's like one scene in the whole movie. And you see it for a few seconds. You're like, oh. And that was it. <laughs> a lot, honestly, a lot. Well, we, it got well, a lot less screen time than Kate Winslet in Titanic. So we'll put it that way. Oh, okay. A lot less. Yeah. Yeah. So that there was our mildly irreverent portion and mildly inappropriate portion of uh, of the podcast. Not important at all, um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but yes, they are. They are. But it I, it it reminded me. Obviously, they borrow culturally from uh, human tribes. Obviously, right. Like, they're modern, even still to this day, modern hunter. I'm glad you brought this up. That that dress like that, and why wouldn't you? You live in a temperate climate. What do you need all the extra clothes for? It's just a waste of material. Like, you got your skin. Like, yeah. What do you What do you need all that crap for? You know, you know we we have these. No, nah, I'm not gonna get into that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, naked blue people. And uh, you know, <laughs> speaking of uh, natives, tribal stuff. Uh, when I was watching the film the second go around, it dawned on me this is Pocahontas in space. Yeah, a lot of people have made that connection. Um, some people also likened to Fern Gully, which I have not seen yet. But uh, I haven't seen Fern Gully in a long time. I am not going to speak of that because I don't remember. But yeah, there's definitely some some thematic similarities to, yeah. to Pocahontas. But uh, so. I w- it wasn't too surprising, but it did catch my attention when I was reading the trivia on IMDb. It said that supposedly James Cameron got the idea for Avatar after he watched Disney's Pocahontas. Why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, but, every everything's inspired by something else. Yeah. So it's like, people have bashed him about that, but I was like, I don't care. It's like, if it's a good idea... I far worse ideas. <laughs> it's a good framework for a story. I mean, as long as you're not literally plagiarizing, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, that, I, you know, but, you know, 
everything's inspired by something else you know like ever since the dawn of the first stories you know however far back it was like around a campfire somewhere you know two guys just killed a deer and they're sitting there with their kill roasting it and sharing hunting stories you know whatever whenever the first stories you know were shared between humans you know then the next guy to tell a story probably borrowed something from the story he heard you know what i mean yeah um yeah like i said as long as it's not straight up plagiarism you're like okay yeah yeah and we could say we could say things about disney and how they totally messed Actually up historical was. accuracy <laughs> okay, no that they, too. it was a mess it was whole, very inaccurate no, but i'm not yes. gonna, we're gonna we won't talk about that you know, pocahontas <laughs> is definitely inaccurate yeah yeah not that anybody really cared you know it's like if, if you like the movie you like the movies like you can go look into the history for yourself but but yeah people did get upset about that and it's not important, but I joked about Disney plagiarizing a second ago. I was mostly thinking about things like Leo the White Lion, but right. uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Lion King. Lion King. Yeah, but I need to watch the the actual Leo and see how how similar they they are. Like, I'm I'm curious. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, because I don't really know uh, Walt Disney and. Osama Tetsuka were actually friends, and I can't speak whether or not there, there actually was a plagiar, plagiarism that occurred, but they were accused of it anyway. Well, Walt was dead at that point for one, but yeah, and uh, but, but Osama is... had Osama, the god of manga. Osama had passed away mm. a couple of years or so before Lion King went into development, but yeah, yeah. Once again, it, it might be, like I said, unless they're literally beat for beat stealing, you know, it's like, I don't know. But but, but also, I do know, I mean, that in the real world, like, if you have a ton of money like Disney does, you can probably, although I don't know if they did at that time. See, the 80s were rough for Disney financially. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, like, honestly, um, like, starting with The Little Mermaid, like, that was a big comeback, at least for their animation division. Yeah. That was a big comeback for the studio, because... Yeah, they, they had a rough, like, the Black Cauldron totally bombed financially, and, like, so the Little Mermaid kind of started their comeback, and then, then obviously you had Beauty and the Beast, continued that, and then Lion King just, like, blew up. Like, it was oh yeah probably still to this day one of the highest grossing animated movies ever. Like, and then there was Aladdin. I really liked Aladdin. Oh, yeah, and then Aladdin, too. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, Lion King did blow up, though. That's right, Aladdin came after Beauty and the Beast, so, yeah. Talk about a back-to-back-to-back hit, you know, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King. You know, this is completely off-topic, but I kind of really miss that aspect of Disney. I know they're doing CGI stuff now, you know, like through Pixar, but, Mm -hmm. and those those are good films too, but I kind of miss those Disney films. Yeah, Yeah, I think the last one they did was with Princess and the Frog, I think it was the last one. It was. Totally hand-drawn, or at least primarily hand-drawn, like, we went to see it in theaters. Yeah, Back we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh, cool. I I knew we saw it, but I I mean I knew I saw it, but I didn't remember if you were there or not. Yeah, I was back before either of us were married. <laughs> we're in our single days. Yeah. Years ago. Anyway, all right, nerds. Well, we got to wrap time. this up. The land before time. The man uh, before time. I don't. The know. man before time. We should totally review the land before time at some point. That would actually be fun. Was that the one with Littlefoot? More depressing, depending on Littlefoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
as a foot, my dear. As long as we don't get into all those sequels. <laughs> oh my goodness, no! I've literally never bothered to watch any of them. They don't um, exist. They don't no. exist. <laughs> Only the one done by Don Bluth has any merit at all. We can hate watch the others. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. Sharp <laughs> like, no, don't. Sharp tooth. <laughs> yeah, the original is, is, is still the best. The music is awesome. I think it was James Horner that did the music, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe not, but it's beautiful music and, yeah, good good film. Good film. Depressing as hell, but good film. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, it ends happy, but, like, but, yeah, it's, it sucks. Like, the, the kid... Doesn't have, they don't explain what happened to his father, I don't think. His mother dies early on in the film, and there's a little orphan, and then he has to find a band of other orphans. Or, well, at least they think they might be orphans. Anyway, I'm going to get that. We're off topic. Once again. Or I'm off topic. It was my fault. <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> Alright. You want to send us out, Mr. Boyer? In the spirit... Of the season. Nerd bless us, everyone. <laughs> Nerd. Adios and saranara and some other word for goodbye. Aloha. Bonjour. thought that was hello. Oh, wait. No, never mind. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Bye, nerds. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at irreverent underscore nerds, plural. We are on Facebook. Our fan page is simply called The Irreverent Nerds. We're on YouTube, The Irreverent Nerd. And if you go to anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd, you can support us for 99 cents a month, 4.99 a month, or 9.99 a month. You can also send us a voice message which we may include in a future episode. Fellow nerds, until next time, make it so. Engage. Avengers assemble. I'm Batman.